Welcome to Love Always Self, a podcast about connection to self, reflections of self, and how this impacts our reality. We're all about trying to find balance, discovering tools for spiritual wellness, and creating a safe place to have loving conversations about a broad range of topics. I'm Carissa, an energy healer with a background in Reiki, nursing, health coaching, and personal training. I have a holistic mindset and believe that everyone and everything can work together in harmony so that we can create more balanced life experiences. And I'm Shira, a spiritual intuitive and explorer of personal truth with a background in management and finance. I feel we are all connected and guided by our own spiritual team, whom I refer to as Mount Glass, and I want to help teach you how to connect with yours. We believe we're all connected, and by learning to love self, we will elevate the collective consciousness and learn to create deeper connections with each other, self, and source. As we grow and learn through our own life adventures and self-discoveries, we hope you gain insights into your own truth. Don't forget to subscribe to stay notified of new content, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Love Always Self. I'm Shira. Hey, y'all. I'm Karista. And thank you so much for joining us on this super special episode of Love Always Self. We are so excited because we have a special guest joining us today, Thomas Miller. And I am so excited for you to be here, sir. Um, So let me introduce you. After several decades of working in broadcast media and living life asleep at the wheel, Thomas began exploring the depths and resources of the subconscious mind and how we can live a more empowered life. Since beginning this journey, Thomas Miller has utilized his work in communications to develop and launch the podcast Subconscious Mind Mastery in March of 2013. After awakening to the possibility that old ways of thinking are no longer serving us, Thomas began to dive deeper into astrology and launched the Fun Astrology podcast in March of 2019. Thomas uses both of these platforms to guide others in their own self-discovery journeys through the tools of astrology and subconscious awareness. Oh, hey. (laughs) Hey, Thomas, and welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for that great introduction, too. Wow, you summarized it well. Thank you. I spent a little time on that because you are- Yeah, that was great. You're important to me because I, I I listen to you almost every morning, you know, on a weekly Aww. basis. So you, you have infiltrated my life in such a positive way. So super <laughs> excited to have you on. <laughs> and she writes That's all great. of our show notes. She's actually really good at this. <laughs> yes, obviously, obviously, I'm I might steal your copywriter. <laughs> Amazing! Welcome, welcome! Oh my Thank gosh! Thank you. Thank We're you super excited that. to have you. And honestly, like. I did not know about you until Carrie introduced me to your podcast. And when I first started listening, I was like, he explains this so well. Like one of the first, whether it would be like a blog or just, you know, listening to someone, um, even going through like your website, you honestly do explain astrology just with this pristine edge to it. So um, I wanted to first kind of kick this off with asking you like, what is astrology and how is it used? Wow, that's a great, wow, that's a great <laughs> question because so many times people presume you know, right? That you know what astrology is. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a uh, fundamental, wonderful, middle-class Christian family in Tulsa, Oklahoma, kind of a child of the 60s, and astrology was of Satan. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, start there. I mean, astrology is of, of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> so I never touched it because obviously I didn't want to bring Satan into my life. Yeah. And it wasn't until fast forward near 50 years that I was sitting there in the crumbs of two divorces and basically scrubbed everything I believed in my upbringing. I just pushed it all aside because I was like, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and did everything that I could possibly do in the spiritual wheelhouse that I had to save that second marriage. And I mean, it just pushed it further away. So my thought was, this doesn't work, you know? It's like, it's not patternable. Well, I was looking outside, not inside. But after that, I sat down and did finally look inside. And with this virtual whiteboard of, okay, I don't believe anything anymore. Fill in the blanks. And I was looking and groping for things to fill in the blanks with. Yeah. And I happened to run across this astrology article. And it talked about, I looked up the one thing I knew about astrology was Scorpio. And I was a Scorpio. So I looked at it and I thought, well, that's not, didn't mention Satan. I didn't feel anything <laughs> devil in there while I was reading this. And all of a sudden I thought, that sounds a lot like me. Mm. So I started to look at it. And when you go back to the history of what it is, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it was given to earth. I think it was given to humanity. And I know already it's like, oh, okay, we're going down <laughs> this woo -woo thing. You're in a perfect spot for that. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you think that people who didn't even have the element of time and astrology is based on what? The moment of time that we were born. Mm-hmm. In fact, in astrology, everything has an origination point, and that's how the whole system is built on. It's like you drop something into space-time at a point of origination, mm -hmm. and that basically the constellation of the sky above, the planets in our solar system, are all aligned. Get this. This is where I say this is not don't talk to me about big bangs and about all this others because all of our planets are on one line, the ecliptic line. Look it up. If you're not familiar with it, it's a, it's a, it's a term in astronomy. The ecliptic line is all of our planets are lined up. Now you think about the vast difference between earth and Pluto and all of those planets are on one line. Pretty wild. If that, if that was odds in a casino and you were asking me to play right? a hundred thousand dollar bet, I'm sorry, I wouldn't. That all of those would line up, pull. You got a hundred thousand on the line? No way. Right? That's but that's how it is. So what astrology is, I think, is that source that created all of that and created you and me, has mm -hmm. given us this vision in the sky. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible. I love it. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. <laughs> and to me, it is the majesty of the symmetry of the spiritual world mm. comes through that crazy little wheel with all of those glyphs on it that we don't understand. Yeah. yeah. That gives us direction. 
it helps explain things. It's like when we are getting ready to go, if I were going to leave North Carolina and come to Texas, I would get out my Google map mm-hmm. yep. and I would see how long and what road and are there any wrecks? Well, that's astrology. It's just using the stars. It's using the zodiac signs and the planets and divided into houses to give us clues of our soul path. And I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. It's a true gift. It's a true gift to explain it that way. I have never heard that (laughs) before, that astrology is like a Google map to your own soul. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my favorite things. It's like, why would it exist? You know, why? And the modern extrusion of astrology, astrology has been on an interesting history. It was almost wiped out in the Middle Ages, and it really did go dormant. And only in about the last hundred years has there been this revival. And especially since the 1970s, Linda Goodman with her Sunsign book really lit the thing back on fire. And this modern revival has come from people like Robert Hand and Chris Brennan and these other people that have revived the Hellenistic techniques. They've gone back to the roots Mm. and have found these old texts that were not destroyed in the Middle Ages. See, the Catholic Church tried to wipe it out. Yeah. And they found these remnant texts, and these people over the last hundred years have been putting things back together. And finally, now we have quite a collection that probably resembles a lot of what was before the Middle Ages, before so much was destroyed. And yet the current revival, especially among the millennial aged folks and even below, has been sun sign stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you go online and you'll see how does an Aries paint the room, you know, or how does an Aries eat their salad or whatever, you know, and they go through the whole time. And that's just, that's fluff stuff. I mean, that's fine. That gets you into the conversation, but that's not what astrology is all about. It's about that we are an infinite soul. We are an eternal soul. We are sharing this little bit of time and space together. And what the sky above has been given for us is as a guide. You know, I keep going back to the Bible because I really rejected everything. I was like, I pushed the Bible off. And now I'm starting to bring some of that back. And you realize that the very crux of the modern New and Old Testament scripture is the birth of Christ. Mm -hmm. And who was at the birth of Christ? A couple of shepherds. Three astrologers. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Those were the, those were the wise go. men, right? That's all you need. <laughs> those were the wise men. Why were they wise? Because they knew how to read the chart. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, I, I was uh, listening to a podcast with Judith Hill yesterday, and this is oh, from great. 2020. And I hadn't realized, well, first off, I, I learned that astrology has been around for over 4,000 years. And then yes, during that time, about 400 years ago, you know, the, the church really tried to wipe it out of existence basically. And I didn't realize that it wasn't until like 1989, I think it was illegal to give astrological readings in the United States. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that Yeah, (laughs) because a lot of people were, 
<laughs> before then. This, in fact, Robert Glasscock, who's been a real teacher and mentor to me. I've got some exciting news too, I'll have to tell you. Um, Robert Glasscock is one of the greatest astrology teachers, I think, on the planet. And he started back in the early 70s when he was 20 years old. And the way that he found it was that he he had moved to Los Angeles to become an actor, Mm. which he did for a short period of time. Then he ended up screenwriting, became a screenwriter for almost 20 years. But as an actor in Los Angeles, moved there from Little Rock, Arkansas. Little Rock, think of that cultural (laughs) shift, right? And was stumbling around in an astrology bookstore looking for books to find out if he would be successful as an actor. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) So there are all, and that was in the early 70s. So that's all kinds of, yeah, it was demonized. It was demonized by the church. Why? Because it empowers people to be responsible for their own self. Mm -hmm. And that's true spirituality. And so freedom within is, is a big deal. (laughs) So people make a lot of different choices when they figure those things out. Yeah. Yeah. That'll change your course. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's about personal responsibility and that you're not left alone. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. And that, you know, the other tie to it as well is I firmly believe that this is not our soul's only rodeo. In fact, the more you get into it, the more you realize not only that, but I mean, earth is not the only stage either. So there are many different ways that our soul can manifest in this infinite you think about how big space is <laughs> it just keeps going i forget the number of light years that pluto is away but think about and that's one galaxy mm-hmm. in yeah. our own universe and then there are multiple universes in the omniverse and then there are multiple omniverses in and it keeps going i mean you go to the meg the meta the metaverse is mm-hmm. some, some you know, believe to be the biggest. And then they say there's even another step in there that there could be a third. I mean, these are things that we don't know. I mean, this is all speculation, but think of how big all that is. And even in that understanding, we're still limiting the universe. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So I think what it also shows, can I, can I spill the beans on this? Um, yeah, right thing? ahead. Definitely. We're recording on a on a given day, and just yesterday from our record date here, that I solidified that Robert Glasscock and I are going to be co-hosting a podcast Yay! featuring his teachings. And you know, we throw the term "goat" around a lot now, mm-hmm. greatest yeah. of all time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think there are two, and I was just reflecting this morning how incredibly privileged. I mean. <sighs> Congratulations. That I've been able to narrate audiobooks with Steve Forrest. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to be co-hosting a podcast with Robert Glasscock. I'm like, and I saw this, I saw this in my chart. And that was when, what got me started doing my, the the, uh, fun astrology podcast was seeing this, that I had a shot at doing astrology professionally. I could see it. 
But wow. So we, this is so exciting. I know. Now, as I'm speaking to you now, we have not started it, but hopefully by the time this is released, the new podcast with Robert Glasscock, which I don't even know the name of yet, but it will be something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, you heard it here first. (laughs) You heard it here first. I mean, this is not even announced on my own podcast yet from when we're recording, but uh, I am so excited about that. But, um, you know, but just the ability to teach this to people so that they can continue to grow in the understanding of this so that they can be responsible for their own path. And then you realize that the other big thing about astrology is, again, not how an Aries eats spaghetti. (laughs) It's that your soul and my soul came here for a very specific purpose. And that chart unpacks what that purpose is. That's Steve Forrest's style of astrology called evolutionary astrology. That's Robert's basic style of astrology. And one of the things that I I will tell you, part of the title I know is going to be Return to the Flesh, Mm. which is actually the Latin translation of the word reincarnation. Wow. I, I didn't know that. It's that return to the flesh and here's your google map wow you know this is gonna be great yeah i'm excited it it really is it it really is and you know thomas i i was listening to you say that just then and what's a little bit weird is last night i was asking you know i i work with guides and things of that nature right in the spiritual sense and so i had asked him i said you know what am i doing here what, w- what was my entire reason for coming here, right? And the only thing I could hear was to remember how to love unconditionally with no judgment. And I was like, oh, I do. I do that all the time. And they're like, you wouldn't have to say that if you did. <laughs> and I was wow. like, okay. And it kind of reminded me of you talking about going back within, t- you know, into the skin because – I believe that a lot of us are trying to find a way to get back to our own main fractal of, of source and of God, right? And return to that all being light. So thank you for saying that. And I appreciate that. And I'm kind of curious, like, what are some of like the resources that you would suggest to people that kind of want to get started and or learn how to read the charts or just be a beginner in astrology in general? I'm going to be blatantly uh, crass here. May I (laughs) go right ahead, come come to your website and click on one of those links to the 101 astrology course (laughs) (laughs) and just get it. Um, right now, again, I'm, I've adjusted the price down to the lowest it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And I probably am going to just keep it there because it's like a price that everybody kind of likes. And what I did was just create something that you could start as not knowing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And, and they're bite-sized little lessons. They're not long, hour-long deals. They're five or six, seven, 10, 20 minutes so that you can digest something, go about your day, come back, do another piece, come back, have it on your phone. You can access it from anywhere, all of that. But seriously, I would say what I tried to do was shorten the learning curve. So if I could just put that out there that that's an available resource. Now, you can go the old-fashioned route like I did 
and take about mm, 10 years to try to figure it out. And in that case, what I did where I started was astro.com, which is like where everybody sends kind of lands. You have to dig in there, but they have this interactive chart. And it's uh, so you, you put your birth date in there and you have to know your exact birth time. And one of our early podcasts with Robert is going to be how to rectify, how to identify your exact time of birth. Ooh. And it's amazing because there are events in your life that are, I don't want to get too complicated here, but the degrees on the chart of where your planets are align with certain events in your life. And you can dial your time of birth in based on that information. It's incredible. Okay. That's and we're going cool. to be talking about it. Yeah. It is very <laughs> cool. It is very cool. So you can dial it in, but you have to have the right birth time. If you don't know the right birthday, and often people will say, well, they'll ask their mom, well, I was born at 825. Now think about what's going on in a hospital when a baby is being born. Who is this. looking <laughs> at the baby and the clock at the same time? Right. You know, Writing absolutely it down. nobody. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> Unless it's a, a conscious family, a conscious couple, and maybe the husband is assigned to say, okay, you, your, your only responsibility in here is to tell me, breathe, 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 and to note the time. <laughs> But that's how precise we need to be. Mm -hmm. And even the nursing team, even though I think they do get things quite clear, I mean, because they're trained, right? And that's what they do every day, many times a day. So I think they are trained, but uh, it still can dial in by what happens in our life. And that's just incredible when you get that set up. And you go to astro.com and then by entering the birth time into that interactive chart, then you can click on your planets and it will tell you everything about that planet. And that was where I started. And actually those little write-ups are written by Robert Hand, who is one of the people that I was mentioning earlier of who got a PhD in language studies. He's Dr. Hand now, but he got his PhD so that he could translate those Latin and Greek texts. Oh, wow. So he's big time. Oh my goodness. Wow. I'm just going to go get a degree in that in one moment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just a degree right in, think about a doctorate in it. Right. So yeah. most of us have read, you know, a horoscope or two, and most people know their sun sign. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, can you give us some more points of interest or focus for beginners to develop a deeper relationship with self through the chart? There are so many places you could start looking. I would say focus on the nodes of the moon. Mm -hmm. Now that's a point in the chart that looks like a horseshoe. And it is either an upside down horseshoe, that's the north node of the moon, or an, uh, like it, if it was a bucket, it would catch water, you know, this way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so pointing down like that, then it's the north. And if it's the bucket, then it's the south. They're not a point in space. It's one of the things on the chart that shows up that it's not a point. It's basically where two orbits intersect out in space, just a point. But the astrological interpretation of that is our soul path. 
And there have been many books written about it, including the one by the author that you just mentioned is an excellent book, Judith Hill. Mm -hmm. Steve Forrest has written a book about the moon and talks about the nodes. It's not an audio book yet. I keep hoping that he will. Steve, if you're listening to this, let's do, do the moon. Book. Let's do the moon. We need it on audio. <laughs> <laughs> but that shows our soul path as well as anything in the chart. So if you're looking beyond just your sun sign and your moon sign and your rising sign, that's kind of the big thing that everybody wants to see first mm -hmm. is go look at the nodes of the moon because that shows you why you're here. And it shows you kind of your, your soul-based assignment, what you're supposed to do. And as I've seen it happen so many times, including in my own life. I mean, I can definitely prove this one up that when we follow that soul path, things unfold in a different way. And what's funny about it is in a, in a kind of a warped humor kind of way is that it is the thing that we resist the most Yep, <laughs> because it's the opposite of everything we brought in with us. So it's like the last thing we want to do, or it's the least um, like our natural inclination it's not that it's the opposite mm -hmm. of that literally the opposite of that is to do something that we are not comfortable doing and it just doesn't make any sense but when we hold our nose and jump in <laughs> you realize that the water is just fine mm. you know and then when you start getting used to it you go okay i'm going to change because I, this is how i want to be and that's really become big in my own life even over the last year year and a half Imagine being an infinite being and you want to have an experience of something you haven't experienced. And so for us, it looks more like contrast. Mm -hmm. mm. Yep, that's powerful. All right. Okay, I'm done here, everybody. Thank you very much. It was so good. No problem. <laughs> you don't have any relationship questions, job related stress, or. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> I did it on purpose. Cool, cool. <laughs> and I've actually utilized some of the notes from the course in talking to Shira about she has. Know, some of the different houses um, that she's, you know, had to work through some things. So that was kind of fun. That was, that that was, was really fun. exciting. Yeah. She was like, you nailed it. I was like, girl, <laughs> I'm trying. The it's course. a lot. <laughs> All in the chart. That's it's, awesome. Well, good. Congratulations. Because when yeah. you can get from not knowing that to like, you know what, I could make a run at this. And when you can share that with somebody else, then that's just, that's magical, isn't it? That's exciting. I tell you what, though, it's different looking at my own chart versus somebody else's. Like my chart feels overwhelming to me that I have to back off, but mm -hmm. I feel like that's, that's another one, you know, to, to just keep diving in little by mm -hmm. little. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that brings me to my next question, you know, cause all this stuff is about natal charts and, you know, if, if people haven't heard of a natal chart, that is, you know, this exact, you know, point of time and space reference astrological wheel, right. That, mm -hmm. 
that we've been talking about. I'm that you were born, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, natal astrology is just one branch on a tree with many branches. So can you enlighten our listeners on some of the other types of astrology that are still utilized to this day? Well, and even styles of astrology, because mm. there are two ways of looking at the sky. Well, there are many more than that, but two big distinctions because Vedic astrology, mm -hmm. which is practiced mostly or originated from India, uses a completely different way of looking at the sky. Our, when you see a wheel and you see all the glyphs around the wheel, that is a typically a tropical Western way of looking up at the sky. Mm -hmm. And that chart is based on the spring equinox. It's based mm -hmm. on actually what we just had. This is being recorded in May. Back in March, we just had that point that begins the that tropical chart. And it's based on a fixed time on the calendar. Well, there's a problem. The earth on its axis wobbles. It's kind of this little oval wobble. Mm -hmm. And for that wobble to go all the way around takes 25,000 years, basically. So if you think about that axis point, let's say that that axis point was a laser beam going way up into the sky from the Earth's center mm -hmm. as it's wobbling. What's that flashlight beam going to do way up there in the sky? It's going to move, isn't it? So at this moment, that flashlight beam is pointing right to what is supposed to be zero degrees in the sign of Aries up in the sky. But then, and that's where it was about 2000 years ago, but now it moves a certain point every year. And now 2000 years later, that's off about a sign and a half. Hmm. So Spring, you look up in the sky and you see the constellation, the physical constellation Pisces that you'd be looking up and seeing, because now that point is pointing at air when it's on the calendar pointing at Aries, but really you're looking up and seeing Pisces mm. because it all shit because it's wobbled. Mm. Well, the Vedic system is sidereal and they look at exactly what's in the sky at the given time. Mm. Now, in our Western Zodiac, I'm a Scorpio. In and I'm because of when I was born in in the at the time of Scorpio. If you put me in the sidereal Vedic system, I'm a Libra. Hmm. And I gotta say, having studied all of the characteristics of Scorpio and having studied all the characteristics of Libra, I ain't no Libra. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much Libra about me. <laughs> and yet we could bring a sidereal Vedic astrologer in here and they would have your jaw on the ground hmm. with what they would tell you with accuracy. It works. So which one is right? And then what's also come up is that there, when you take the infinite sky and our little system is round, the Vedic is a square or kind of a rectangle. Mm. How do you take that sky and basically reduce it to a doily? <laughs> I mean, come on. 
That's what we're trying to do. And something is going to bend and get a little bit awkward. Well, again, going back 2,000 years, well, going back more than that, way more than that, going back the four or 5,000 years, and then uh, the Middle Ages was another shift point. And basically because the element of time came in. See, the original charts were constructed before there was time. Mm -hmm. So all they had was the sunrise. They could calculate the sunrise point relative to the sky. But when time came in, now they had a whole nother set of tools in order to try to bring the sky down to the doily. And that's where you got these time-based systems, like what everybody uses now as the system Placidus mm -hmm. is a time-based system. We won't go into the details of all of that because then you go, going, okay, that's <laughs> but, <laughs> but all these different ways of looking at the sky is one set of variables, basically, to answer your question. And then the other is with kind of what lens are we looking at it? So we can look at our sun signs, and that's a great way to understand our personalities, and it does. It describes them amazingly well. Then we can hop over to Steve Forrest's style of astrology, of evolutionary, and that's our soul path. Why are we here? What, is our, what are our challenges? What are some of those things that we're going to meet the resistance and have to grow through? What things do we need to release? Like if I could just release some stuff and not get all uptight about it, not get so anxious about it, how much easier would my soul path be? Because then the universe isn't having to try to teach me those lessons. That's all in the chart. Or we could do something like um, the other day. Oh, I'm going to confess on myself. Yes. <sighs> I just moved up to this amazing little mountain town in Western North Carolina. And I was thinking through a couple of logistical things. I'm single. I'm up here by myself. I've got an older model Jeep that I just absolutely adore. That was kind of my gift from the universe. So I take really good care of it. And I was thinking about how am I going to get this Jeep serviced that the dealership is in the next town over. And I thought, I'm going to get a motorcycle that I could put on the back of the Jeep and then I could ride the motorcycle home. It'd be an easy way to get the thing serviced. Well, I went to a motorcycle shop and I looked around and I thought, ah, I've never had one before. They scare me to death. I'm kind of like, Ugh. they had this one that was like, okay, if I were going to do it, the price was okay. Liked what I saw. So I got my phone out and I keep a chart program on my phone and I put up the time right then that I was asking the question. And that's called horary astrology, where you can ask the chart, should I do this? And the answer was no. The answer was a clear no. Well, as it turned out, the model that they had on the floor was not, it didn't have some things on it that I wanted, but they were searching for one that did, and they thought they had found one that could be brought in. And then the guy called me the next day and he said, I am so sorry to tell you this, but that we looked at the model, the VIN number on that motorcycle. And he said, it does not have what you want. So we, we're not going to bring it in. Wow. So how, did that, how did that chart know? <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely.
absolutely amazing. And then you can look at solar arc astrology. That's what Robert Glasscock is so proficient at. And that's a whole nother way of prediction. You can look at mundane astrology. That's looking at what's going on in our country, in with governments, with companies, with large groups or organizations. It's the big macro picture kind of astrology. And we've been studying the United States chart in depth as far as some of these things that are coming up. So all of these things that we're going through in our country right now that have left us confused and scared and not knowing what's going on all show up in the chart. It's amazing. So you can slice and dice this so many different ways. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to know the same question. I had somebody in the in our course asked me this the other day, and we jumped on a quick Zoom call, and I answered a question from the standpoint of, we humans want structure. Mm -hmm. We like to put things in some kind of containment that we can understand, but we're talking about infinity. So when we say it all works, people can't understand that, but in its own way, at the right time, it all works, and it truly is amazing. There is a level of intelligence in, <laughs> in the universe throughout creation that we cannot grasp. <laughs> Imagine that. Sure. Yeah. Imagine that. That's for sure. So in uh, modern pop culture, there's a couple of planets that really, you know, get, get a lot of uh, uh, attention. So the moon, which I know is not a planet, it's a luminary, uh, and then Mercury, uh, which I think as a Gemini sun and rising has a bad rap as the troublemaker. Um, but can you speak to, uh, how the moon and Mercury may affect our personal energies as well as collective energies and both sides of the coin of these energies? Wow. All right. <laughs> let's, let's dig in. This is a good one. <laughs> So what you just mentioned were the two fastest moving bodies. The moon is the fastest. Mercury is the next fastest. Let's go to the other side. Pluto, the slowest. Well, now even below, beyond Pluto is Eris, but Eris, Pluto, Uranus, Neptune, these are the slow movers. The slow movers build themes. The fast movers trigger things. So you're asking about trigger planets. So typically you would look at what theme are they possibly coming up against that they might trigger. Now, Mercury gets the bad rap because of Mercury retrograde, which when this is released, we will be in Mercury retrograde. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Mercury retrograde gets such a bad rap. There is a really cool statement to keep in mind. Paramsana Yogananda, the guy that brought Indian yoga to the United States in the 1960s, was also a student of astrology. And he said, you give me the most inauspicious time in astrology to begin anything, and I will make it successful. That is great. That's because great. what he's saying is, we still have creative abilities. Mm -hmm. We are co-creators. I'm actually working on an audiobook right now that is going to be released in June, probably, that will be exactly that, that we are co-creators. It's going to be called the, the Subconscious Mind Mastery, the other podcast, 
secret or science of getting rich program. Hmm. And I'm going through the old 1910 wow. Wallace Waddles classic book, The Science of Getting Rich, and adding my own commentary. It's long overdue, but it's it's the right time. And the whole idea of that book is that we are co-creators by our thought, by our focused, sustained thought. So we're also given this amazing ability that if we knew how to use it and how to unleash it, we would be amazing. And then when you combine the two, when you combine the energy that is there to support us with our creative, intentional abilities, I mean, it's like dynamite. It really is. It's like dynamite for life. So I hope, folks, if you'll check that, it's going to be an audio book. It'll be on Audible and iTunes. So just you can search my name or search uh, the Subconscious Mind Mastery and you'll find it. And we'll link it below. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And so we were back to Mercury Retrograde that it gets this bad rap because people think it takes control of their lives. Well, it might throw some energy into our space, but I think that we can intend around it. So like we're releasing this during Mercury Retrograde. And guess what? This podcast is going to be just fine. <laughs> Robert and I, we've talked about this already in email that we're releasing ours first episode under Mercury retrograde, and it's going to be just fine, okay? Because number one, we're setting that intention. Yeah. And number two, the first conversation that we had was actually before Mercury went retrograde. So that's the original birth time of our conversation. So it, uh, I, I think that, I, actually, I hear this a lot, and we'll talk about the moon next, but with Mercury, it's just so easy to, as you said, to pick on Mercury because of this every three months cycle of three weeks, basically, where it's in retrograde, and then all of the blogs and publications mm -hmm. and everything, oh, Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> don't, don't do anything, you know, <laughs> bury up. And then we've got the moon wobble. We didn't talk about the moon wobble. <laughs> And the moon doesn't wobble. It's a term, <laughs> but it's another, it's like mercury retrograde on steroids. And it happens every about 90 days. So it's like all these elements of astrology that can scare us, you know, the, Oh, Saturn comes around. Oh, you know, Darth Vader. music. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. And as you said, every element of this has two sides. So even Mercury retrograde has two sides. Mercury, the trickster, you know, the element of, it's the trickster. It's the, you know, come around. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Gemini rising and Mercury rules my chart. So I can understand. Yeah, there are probably people who know me that would, <laughs> that would, agree, <laughs> that would agree with that. But um I think the most important thing here is not to try to grab onto something that you can blame. Mm -hmm. And that's a really big point because I'll hear people who know enough astrology say, well, that Saturn aspecting my son, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yogananda sitting over there going, hit me. <laughs> no, I'll make it work. There you go. And that's what we need to be choosing. Mm -hmm. And we need to surf the energies. See, this Robert Glasscock thing that I was telling you about, 
came from this reading that we did yesterday as we're recording this, so a couple of weeks ago from the release date, that they read my chart in Solar Arc for two hours, this group of about six people. Oh, wow. It was incredible. It was incredible. And I kept hearing square to the Saturn, squaring Pluto, squaring all these squares and opposite and oppositions and all these what would be considered negative aspects. And this group was reading them in positive contexts mm-hmm. and what the so positive important. side of the aspect would do. And even toward the end, I asked, I said, you guys have been reading all of this as positives. And I keep hearing square opposition, all these, you know, the sky is falling. I'm going to die. This is it. Time's up. You know, hope you enjoyed the ride. No, that's not how you read it. So you can look at this. If you are on that place in your soul path, where having something to blame is handy. Astrology can be great. Mm. Learn it because you can blame it on everything. And that would be just the biggest waste of the energy that there could be. So I would rather, I would much rather encourage you to learn it for the polarity, as you said, Carrie, of that for, this is such an important lesson with astrology. It's built on the hermetic law of duality, of polarity. Mm-hmm. For up, there's down. For mm-hmm. hot, there's cold. For yeah. east, there's west. <laughs> 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 but for dark, there's light. Our whole universe is built on opposite polarities. So for trickster, menace, problem causer, mercury, there's also amazing eloquent communication which is a skill that is rapidly fading from our society and there is brilliant intelligence where you train your mind to know a skill to the point of mastery and you're able to communicate it and there's travel and there's siblings and the relationship that we have with our brothers and sisters And that might even be community siblings as well, especially as we move forward in this timeline of everything that's going on. I think the whole idea of brother and sister, even though not blood, is going to become a lot more important. So both sides can be so villainized and so brilliantly used. And look, if you're able and you're buying a house and it's mercury retrograde and you want good clean energy on the house and you can delay it a couple of weeks, why not? Why not just stay clear of it? You think about this. We just had a storm come through here two nights ago that knocked a big tree down about two blocks, literally down the mountain from where I am. And it took the power lines out with it right by the street broke a pole in half. I mean, this was some major damage. Power was out for a whole day. They had to rewire everything. I almost thought I was going to have to call you guys because it was out (laughs) yesterday until dinner time. I was just kind of uh, watching the whole thing, hoping that we were going to be able to do this. But um, 
So if we knew that storm came in overnight, if we knew that that storm was coming and we could see on the radar, the big red blotch, here it comes. Would we go ride our bicycle? No, you would we say, hey, let's go, <laughs> let's go on a midnight bike ride. You know, we're about to have a tornado. Let's also ride with a golf st- or a golf club. In oh, the yeah, let's, too. yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> it just depends on how frisky I'm feeling that. In the moment, you, know what I'm saying? Like, you won't get wet. We'll use an umbrella, right? <laughs> <laughs> the one, the helmet umbrellas. So you don't even have to hold it in your hand anyway. Like, come on. Well, that's to me is surfing the energy. That is that you know that there's something there that's an obstacle. And you look at it and you say, you know, that storm's going to be gone by Sunday morning. Why don't we go Sunday morning? Okay. You just dodge it, right? You, you solved a problem. Why go out in the rain? So we hole up and we let the storm pass. That's being able to read these signs in the chart. Now, the moon is an interesting one. The moon represents our soul. This is, you get me excited about the moon because <laughs> if the subconscious mind mastery podcast had a place on the chart, it would be the moon or it would be Neptune. It'd be mm. one of those two, but that's what represents our soul. And you talked about the redemption. You talked about this path of Liz Green wrote a book on Neptune. That's a classic. It's one of the best astrology books written. And her book on Saturn is really good too. Glasscock mentions that. But the whole theme of Neptune, this, the Lord of the deep, the Lord of the ocean, the Lord of the seas is about our return to source. Mm -hmm. We came in separated. We have to find our way back. It's about finding our way back. Yeah. And that path comes from inspiration and it comes from deception. It's not a clear path. Mm -hmm. So Neptune represents lies and deceptions. Well, it's there, there's the curveball. You have to figure your way through the maze. So um, the moon, though, representing the soul. Also, people want to know about their parents in the chart, and the moon represents mom. It's a, it's a clear image of mom. Mm. So, um, and the moon changes signs every two and a half days. We were talking about how fast these things move. Mm-hmm. To give you a speed analogy, the moon moves through a sign in two and a half days. Mercury is about mm, six weeks. So you've got a big difference there in, in yeah. speed from the moon, which, of course, as you said, is not a planet luminary. We know that, but um, it, it does move quickly. So it changes a lot. And, of course, the tides. It affects the tides, which is every six hours. So with the moon, we're talking about the flow of life. We're talking about the, yeah. the flux. The tide comes in, the tide comes out. And that's one of the things that I think is so wonderfully symbolic about holding things loosely in our journey. If I had learned that lesson 40 years ago, I probably wouldn't have some of the physiological problems that I have right now. Um, I've got a really strong aspect that I've had to deal with all of my life, and I didn't learn how to manage it well back then. Mm-hmm. If I had just learned to let things flow and let them go. The other thing that the moon can represent too is intuition. And there is a place in everybody's chart that is that where the moon is kind of at home, 
where it amplifies. It's mm -hmm. the sign of cancer in everybody's chart, wherever the sign cancer is, that's your strongest intuitive area. And mine happens to be in the area of the chart that represents money and possessions. And as I look back on that, and I understood that finally and put two and two together. When I have followed intuitive prompts relating to business or money, they've always worked out great. When I've sat there and tried to figure out the business plan, you know, and da, 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 I'm going to do this and, da, 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 and it's all up in the mercury head, you know, stick it in the ditch. So the moon for me now that I understand that it's like, well, if I'm going to make a business decision, it's going to be around an intuitive prompt. Mm. That's it might not be a voice of God, but it will be something that just has been in my heart, like this new podcast with Robert Yeah, that has been in my, in my heart since I found him, what, now about maybe a year and a half ago and started doing his practicum classes. Mm -hmm. I thought this is some of the best astrology teaching there is, and this needs to get out. Well, that window just wasn't there until this reading and I just felt like I just felt it to put it out there ask would he be interested and sure enough he was so that's exactly th that's what we the, did with you that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking <laughs> I had my email typed up to you for like two days and then like ah. one night I was just like all right just there you go send it, send it. <laughs> now's the time <laughs> I'm glad you did I'm glad you did. You. <laughs> but that's so the moon, the moon represents so many. And then when we talk about our past, the moon is the accumulation of what we brought in with us, basically. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about subconscious programming, it's not just from our childhood. And when you start to look back before, that's when a lot of clarity comes into your life. Yeah. And that's also represented by the moon. So the study of that one part of our chart, it's our emotions. It's how we feel. It's how we feel our way into things. Um, so rich to determine both sides of that. Okay, now what's the shadow side of the moon? Mm -hmm. Wow, boy. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna pull up my chart right now. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I, I, I do another, I, I've got my fingers in several pies. One is a radio show in Dallas, and it's a health-related radio show that airs on a local Dallas radio station. And we talk to doctors a lot. And one of the big areas that's come up, and especially since COVID, mental health. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are struggling with it right now. Yeah. And that's the shadow side of the moon. Mm -hmm. One of them. And it's prolific right now. Oh, man, I can speak to that. Uh, I've been providing COVID care as a nurse for the past two years. So not, not in person over the phone, mm -hmm. but still mm -hmm. lots of, lots of just love and support for these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. I've kind of adopted because of what I saw there. And then what I saw with astrology, and then I saw different kinds of reactions and I saw my own reaction and the, my mentor, Fred Dodson, the guy that I've narrated all the audio books for, uh, saw his reaction to it. Uh, he had to leave a country where he was living because of it. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, that I just decided I am not going to have any comment or especially judgment 
of how mm -hmm. anybody has chosen to handle anything around the pandemic. You know, we're all doing the best we can. That's exactly right. Yeah, I don't have the energy to judge others. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so much of it out there. Just jump on Facebook. <laughs> nah. <laughs> As I tell our listeners, my only issue is when I'm driving. So, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So um, I have a, a question for you that's kind of um, uh, touching on a common misbelief. Did we, did we go, did you finish on the moon and... And Les, did you have any other thoughts around it that we should touch on? Well... Trying I, to get I, both sides of it. Yeah, and, and you did. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for that. And I was just uh, going back to some of the course information and stuff that you had said earlier, how the, the south node is actually uh, from past life. So past life energies, karmic energies that we're bringing in, right? That's correct. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then moving our, our soul's journey towards the north node. Yeah, yes, exactly. From the south to the north, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's not intuitive. That's like, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Change just is hard. Right. I know. And the thing is, is you brought in so much accumulated stuff because it wasn't yeah. just from this lifetime. You know, yeah. it's like Steve Forrest is brilliant at that. And uh, Steve, unfortunately, now is all booked up for the next 10 years of doing readings. So you and I and everybody listening will, unless they're already on the list, will not get a Steve Forrest personalized reading, at least for 10 years. Wow. <laughs> he's, he's already 72. So he's wow. like, wait a minute, I got to cut this off. <laughs> but he is brilliant at painting a picture of what you brought in through that mm -hmm. South Node. And he has taught it. I mean, there are classes available, so you can learn it too. And I've studied what he does. And it really is amazing what you can do, even without a past life regression kind of reading, where you can discern from that chart a likely probability. You know, it might not be exactly what could have happened, but the energies are certainly represented there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is so unique. I have to mention this because synchronicities are, are a thing, right? Oh, yes. So just <laughs> a couple of days ago, um, I had received a message and it went a little something like this. The course that you were on is always aligned with your soul's growth. It is merely the perception of good or bad that leads you to some of your emotional responses fueled by not only what you have learned, observed, absorbed and distilled into your being, but also those of your quotation fingers here past collectives. And you wow. just answered the moon question. <laughs> <laughs> they give me these little nuggets. Perfect. Yeah, that was perfect. Thank you, uh, guides. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was perfect. That's the moon. It's it's both sides of that, right? It's the emotion. It's the everything we brought with us, and it's our battle against it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. 
This one was a, a question that kind of was uh, brought up by conversations that I've had with other people uh, that uh, struggle with understanding, believing, being open to astrology. So some people may view astrology as fatalistic, and there are people that question how to reconcile the predeterminism of the chart with the flexibility and the ability of one to change one's so-called fate uh, and utilize their free will. I would love it if you could speak on how someone may be able to reconcile these seemingly opposing views. Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Like the motorcycle issue. How did that chart know at 2.30 something in the afternoon, <laughs> whenever it was, that that bike was not going to, not only was I not supposed to get, and I've released the motorcycle thing, I'm going to get a motorcycle, <laughs> but how did it know that that VIN number was misrepresented to the dealership? Now that's like, whoa. One of the first times I got wide-eyed about this was uh, Chris Brennan, who does the astrology podcast and has made a tremendous contribution to this field of bringing the traditional roots, Hellenistic roots mm. alive again in our generation. Told a story about, uh, in, in his course actually, told a story about Elvis Presley. And basically the way that the chart lines up is that Lisa Marie, which was his only heir, got all of this money at exactly the time that the chart said that she would, which meant that Elvis had to die exactly when he did, which means that who knows in some, I don't know, drug-induced or alcohol-involved moment of passion with um, Priscilla, at just the right time. I mean, you walk this stuff back and you realize all of this stuff had to line up for Lisa Marie to get that inheritance at exactly the time the chart said that she mm. would. Now I'm gonna really just go out here on a limb, but I, what if, what if, possibility, uh, there, it was always gonna happen in a sense that she was always going to receive based on her chart money maybe it would have came in a different way had he not died what if right like what if there were other there was like a completely different parallel time frame in which all the other different types of things lined up exactly the way it was meant to be for her to still hit that target it's still you know, crazy you are so on it well <laughs> yeah one of the first audiobooks that i did for fred dodson was called parallel universes of self mm. And it was about parallel timelines in infinite reality. You're like my so new favorite exact... person right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. And again, we try to build fences around everything and constrain it. You are. So what you're saying is that there could have been a parallel timeline where Lisa Marie, given her genetic composition, struck out at age 17 and became extremely popular as a music, uh, as a singer, as an artist, and even surpassed her father's popularity. Mm -hmm. Is that possible? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So, yes. And that's how Fred, I like the way Fred explains it. This is as yeah. clear as about any way. And it makes sense that what you're talking about is we're driving on a 
100 wide lane highway. There's a hundred lanes and you can change. You pick and choose. Yeah. You're in one lane. Okay. You want to choose? Throw your blinker on. Let's move over 20, you know? Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) So that's our choice. So we're on the main highway. And like you were saying, the main highway said that alignment was going to hit one way or another. We've got a hundred different options of how it could have hit. Mm. That's our choice. Yeah. Or we could have chosen to resist that outcome. Yep. <laughs> That's right? the normal one. <laughs> and we could have delayed it. Right. Exactly. So uh, there are ways that we can change it. And then you say, well, what about that alignment in the chart? Well, not all of them come about. You know, that was sitting there and it did hit. But sometimes they're sitting there or a different type of thing, as you say, a different type of thing happens. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's where you have to look at the full spectrum of both sides of the coin. And it just so happened that in that particular example, it did unfold with that as the outcome. That's amazing. But I go back to Yogananda's comment, you know, give me the worst time on the chart, find the ugliest structure on that chart for me to start a new business. And I'll make it a million dollar business because of the creative power that we have. Mm -hmm. So we do always, I think in the tiered structure of everything, we are given that final ability to choose whether we're going to how we're going to unfold it. It's a tool that empowers us. You know, it is, it is. (laughs) And that brings up a really great concept that is worth talking about here. And that is the concept of resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to use another Fredism. I've done 30 audio books for the guy. So he's, you know, there's been a lot of sense, (laughs) but I do like giving credit where credit is due. So let's just say that we've got a a horizontal line and over here and over here is going to be 10 and 10 with zero in the middle, right? It's not plus 10 minus 10, just 10, 10 notches over here, 10 notches over here. And let's put over here desire and we'll put over here resistance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So from a zero point, either we typically will desire something somewhere between, yeah, not much, all the way out to really strong. Or we will resist something, again, from a midpoint out to no way, uh uh-uh, keep that away from me. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Desire, resistance. That's really the two areas that we dance within on everything. You know, we want steak for dinner, (laughs) strong desire. (laughs) Everybody else wants to go for Mexican food. Resistant. No, I want a steak at a steakhouse with a baked potato. They don't have a baked potato at a Mexican restaurant. Desire and resistance. Well, what happens energetically when we desire something over there at a 10? What happens in the world of energy to that desire? It builds resistance usually. 
Well, yeah, it grows little butterfly wings and flies off, right? It's like the more we desire it, the it's further like, away it gets. It's yep. like holding the sand tight, trying to hold on to it. And because you're holding on to it so tight, it's trickling out the bottom. Yeah, right. That's exactly. Exactly. Energetically, when we desire something so strong over there at 10 or eight or six, we push it away. Mm-hmm. Conversely, when we resist something at an eight or a 10, what do we do? We pull it in. <laughs> Bring it right in. Like so put a stuff, magnet on, right? <laughs> Same thing with fear, you know? Yeah. Oh, I am afraid. I am scared to death of a billion dollars. A billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> ah, a billion that, one's, that one's a tough one to fake. <laughs> <laughs> You know, fear will bring it right in. Resistance will bring it right in. So what Fred mentions is where the universe likes to work is about two, either side of that zero point. Mm-hmm. Not where we're like Spock on Star Trek. You know, it's like we're not robotic. We are human after all. <laughs> That's a good so we do have desires, but we just hold them loosely. We, you know, we realize I can be with it or I could be without it. Mm-hmm. Resistance. I, my biggest resistance, I lived in Dallas for over 30 years, traffic. You guys have a little bit of that in Austin too. <laughs> I got to the point where I just, oh, oh. I mean, that was my life every day. Yeah. And I finally got to the point, I really got to the point inside where I just was like, okay, Dallas is my home. I'm going to make it work. The other thing I didn't really dig was the heat in the summer and the spring <laughs> and the fall. <laughs> <laughs> and a majority and, of the winter. <laughs> yeah, through most, yeah, February, 85 degrees outside. <laughs> like, wait a minute. But I finally released Dallas was going to be my home. And within six months, I found myself in Aspen, Colorado. It was finally the release that set me free. So there's this whole thing about resistance that is, I think, one of the biggest things if people want to take a look at how they can change things, like what's the greatest amount of effort for the greatest return? Look at what you resist. Because what we resist affects the course of what one of those lanes we're going to choose. Because a lot of times we don't make the lane change because that's what we desire. We make the lane change because we're running away from something that we Mm -hmm. want to get away from. And that's when you have a wreck. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow, that was good. Great analogy. Yes. One of I it it truly is one of my favorite lessons from Fred, and it's something that I always size up. Sometimes, if I'm running hard and fast, uh, it will take me a little bit to stop and run the process. Am I desiring? Am I resisting? I did that with the motorcycle. It was like, oh, this would be kind of. I started thinking about riding up on the Blue Ridge Parkway is like ten minutes from here. I'm like, oh, I could go up there and ride on the parkway. This would be kind of cool. Oh, I could go down to this town or that town. I was thinking of all these things I could do. I'm like, this would be kind of fun. Until somebody sideswipes you and you end up paralyzed for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah. 
So all of a sudden, I just went over there with the, yeah, I'll go look. I'll go look, but I'm not, you know, I'm not holding it. So when the guy called and he said, I am so sorry to tell you this, he was like, your cat just died. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, hey, no big deal, man. No problem. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. You know? And I was like, that chart, <laughs> <laughs> chart new, but just hold things loosely. It's really no big deal. Mm-hmm. The other thought I had was a moped, you know, that I could ride a moped back over here and I might play with that, you know, where I'm not going to go riding it to other towns and everything, just, you know, to putz around in here. And if it says no, then okay, no problem. I'll figure out another way to get it done. Mm-hmm. There's another answer, you know, but just holding it, like not being all so wrapped up in everything all the time. It's yes. important. Hold stuff loosely. Don't desire too much don't resist too much and let the universe you mentioned a few minutes ago the key word synchronicities Mm. this was the biggest lesson i learned from narrating those five books for steve forrest and again carrie to answer your question about the chart the chart shows us the game plan then it gives us the opportunities and the way that those opportunities unfold is through synchronicities. So we're talking about the Elvis situation and the Lisa Marie situation, or the, yeah, the Lisa Marie situation is that unfolded with certain synchronicities. Mm -hmm. And it could have unfolded with others. So how we play with the synchronicities determines our outcomes, but we will be given those intersections and everybody knows what I'm talking about. You have those crossroads of life that you say, if I make this decision, this is going to be a major change and my life will go this way. Marriage is a classic example. Going to college, the decision to go, where am I going to go to college? That's one of those early ones that such a major shift, because if we go to this university, things are going to turn out this way. If we go to another university in another state or in another town, we're going to have a whole different experience from that one critical decision. That's a point of synchronicity. Mm-hmm. Who we marry, when we have kids, all of these things are these major, what job do we pursue or what job do we accept? Do we leave the job that's not serving us anymore? You know, these things all pivot our lives and those opportunities always will present themselves along the themes in our chart. And that's why it's so key to learn how to interpret it, because then we can anticipate those synchronicities. When they come up, we've already basically prepared. Ah, hang a right. That's what I did with the Glasscock invitation. After that reading, it was almost like all these synchronicities. Drop it down. I mean, all the guy can say is, no, I'm too busy. That's exactly right. You know, it's interesting while listening to that, I was thinking about, you know, all the, uh, cause we've talked about this Carrie and I before on this show, actually, uh, regarding some of the major life changing points, the things that really like kick you off into certain directions. And even in those moments, like sometimes they're not great moments, you find yourself in a much better place because of said moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, I, I'm curious, like, you know, where did you begin 
where did you begin developing this relationship with astrology? You know, like, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit when we were first talking, but I, what we, what do you feel like was like kind of the catalyst for you to move into this information? Well, that's, that's a good question. I'm going to give you the shorter version of the story. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a long one, but like I mentioned, I was raised in a wonderful, wonderful family. My dad was a stockbroker. Mom was stay at home. Uh, I was born in 1959. So just on the, you know, I was the color, the in color version of leave it to beaver. That was our family. <laughs> and uh, Tulsa was a very middle-class uh, flyover kind of town, just a good place to grow up. Not a lot of, um, you know, we didn't have the big sports teams and all of that, but we had everything we needed and it was a good little town to grow up in. And I was going to go into the ministry because the church was everything in our family. So when I went to college, I was headed to Baptist seminary right after that. College was just to get through it so that I can go to seminary. And my second year of college, I went into broadcasting. Somebody invited me to co-host a radio program with them, and I decided to do that and never went back to the to the other. Um, that was one fundamental of those intersections. And then I got married way too young for my, again, if I knew my chart, I never would have gotten married. If I knew how to follow intuition, I never would have gotten married because I had a very clear intuitive no, mm -hmm. but I didn't know that we were supposed to follow those things. You know, yeah. it just was a, oh, well, no, don't listen to that. And then I ended up divorced from that and then ended up divorced again. And well, wait a minute. I'm a very functional middle-class Baptist boy from Tulsa, and I'm sitting here at 48 years old, divorced twice, and now my kids are like pushed away from me, which by the way shows up in my chart. Exactly. So, I mean, I was sitting, that was, that was my dark night of the soul. And it was as though, oh, and by the way, Saturn and Pluto the two, I call them karmic blues brothers. I mean, they are like <laughs> the two bad boys of karma had just crossed over all of my other planets. And it's like, they did their work. They did their work. They wake you up. Mm -hmm. They slap you upside the head. They do whatever they have to do to get your attention. Or you could do it the easy way and just listen to these girls on this podcast and <laughs> what they say what they're talking about, live a conscious <laughs> life, you know, you could do that. It would be so much easier and you don't have to, you know, the universe doesn't have to pry your fingers off of your old ways, but I was unconscious, you know, as Carrie said at the beginning, I was asleep. I love that asleep at the wheel. That'd be a good podcast title <laughs> asleep at the wheel, but because so many of us are, I mean, we're just yeah. trying to get through life and that is, that's the unconscious way of doing it. Mm -hmm. So sitting there in the ashes at 48, well, you know, most people say, well, I'm too damn old to make any changes now, you know, grumpy old man. I mean, you're right there. Um, I was like, I can't keep living like this. So I started looking for answers, but I wasn't going to look where I had been finding or where I had been taught before. I'm like, cause that just flat failed me. Didn't, it didn't work for me or else I didn't understand it enough to how to work it. So I got to start over. I got to start this over. And what happened is I found Bob Proctor and this was on the tail end of the, the secret had just come out. It'd been out for a couple of years at that point. 
And so it was kind of the the big splash was over and now people were still talking about it. And Bob Proctor started this program called the Science of Getting Rich. And I'm actually remaking that program. Mm -hmm. Bob passed away a couple of months ago, sadly, and was a great mentor to many, many, many of us that have watched his videos or seen his material. And really, as I studied more of Bob and heard more from him, most of his stuff was in this program. So I was like, this still needs to be out there, and I'm going to do it my own way and do it with my own stories and my own spin on it. But that was what gave me the first vision of what something else looked like besides the church paradigm that I had, which to me, as I look at it now, was very restrictive. The church, the modern-day Protestant church, to me, is five or ten degrees off the original Catholic church. It still is about control. It still is about our, like this whole idea that we come here and we've got X number of years to make a decision to say a certain prayer that determines whether we go to hell for eternity. I mean, just play that back and listen to it three or four times and see if you still can jive with that. It's so manipulative. It's so restrictive. Where is a hundred lanes of highway in that? so contradicting too. You've got one thing and you are going to screw up and it's going to cost you eternity. Sounds to me like somebody's trying to control somebody here, doesn't it? Do you? But God unconditionally loves you, but will send you to hell if you don't accept his son as your Or we have a fallen empire here that we're trying to save and hold on to, and we don't have a very good army. So why don't we use the soul as Mm -hmm. our vantage point we can control everybody because then they have to come to us in order to get the ticket to the up there right it's crazy it's just it's lunacy the number one way to make people listen you put them in fear yeah Yeah. it's fear exactly it's fear-based it's totally fear-based so i finally saw this other way of looking at life outside of that structure because inside that structure you have to pray to god and hope that god smiles on you today, you know? Oh, this is answer prayer Tuesday, you know? Good for you. Nice prayer. Boom, you're in, right? Save your marriage. Ah, it's Thursday. We don't answer prayers on Thursday. Boom, you're, you know, <laughs> you're out. Not you. You've got Saturn sitting on Uranus. You know, like, oh, God help us. So, <laughs> so, It gave me a different way of looking at it, that we do create our own reality. And he taught about the laws of the universe, vibration, what we put out, we get back. Mm -hmm. Church never taught that. So, I mean, it did in a way, love everybody. Yes, the greatest of these is love. Jesus was love, 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 love. But how do you love when when you're entombed in fear? Love can't come out of that. So... Anyway, that's how it applied for me. That's not for everybody. For some people, it is magnificent and wonderful, and I support that. For me, it didn't play. So when I found the other way, then I started looking at any other thing that would support or give me other ideas. I just started looking for what else is there, okay? Kind of got going down this path, got this going. Okay, what else? And in that what else inquiry, I just happened to hit a Google search that had an astrology article. 
And that was literally what started it. You know, another thing, um, there's a, there's a uh, fixed star. It's a fixed point called Urania that is kind of a sister of, of Uranus that they say shows up strongly in astrologers charts. Yeah. And it shows up in my chart strongly under the guise of transformation, the work of transformation, which is like the whole theme now, as I understand that that's the theme of my life. Not only did I go through it personally, but now that's kind of the work that I'm doing forward is helping others with transformation. And Urania shows up very, very strong in that area. So I feel mine is not so much to be out there necessarily doing all these readings and all this. I'm not doing readings at the current just because my time doesn't allow, but um, it, it's an emphasis or an underscore of that focus on the transformation work. Mm-hmm. And so when I, so another thing they say is that when people come across astrology and either of you may have may have felt this when you experienced astrology for the first time that you kind of have this connection with it like Mm. maybe I've done this before (laughs) (laughs) and I I think I had that I had that just natural click where it's it just made sense right from the get-go I got it I understood it it felt good I wanted more um it became fascinating. The more I got into it, the more I just was like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. So one step just led to another, but what I did, so that was like 12 years ago, 2009, 2010 timeframe. And I just treaded water for a long time and tertiarily could read, could, I could go in there to astro.com and put in the interactive chart and know now intentionally what I was kind of looking for. That's about the level that I was. Didn't, didn't know more than that. And as I mentioned, I went to Aspen and spent three years in Aspen skiing and just kind of having a wonderful time. Sounds uh, great. Well, it was, you know, it was much needed. And as it turned out, after those three years, the last day of the ski season in 2018, I was up on top of Snowmass and I had my ski buddy um, and I had skied the day together. And I told him, I said, I just, I want to take the last hour and just be by myself and totally cool. He he speaks the same language. So (laughs) we separated and I went over and sat on a bench at the top of snowmass up there at the big burn run if any of y'all are familiar with snowmass and um i had my journal but i was kind of surprised because it was like well this has been a nice ski season this has been fun gee it sure is beautiful up here uh, <laughs> wish we had more snow but at least it ended you know just all this stuff that was like oh, i wanted some deep spiritual insight from the top of the mountain and it wasn't there so I just was like, well, okay, it's time to go. So time to wrap it up, last run down. And I was just going to go down and take it very casually easy, not try to, you know, burn it up. And I got halfway down that first run from the top of the mountain down. And I mean, it just started pouring in. So I spun around real quick, stopped by a tree, grabbed my journal out of my jacket and just started capturing what was flowing out. And it basically was the very short of it was this was your time for you. 
And now it's time to take this out to the world. Mm. It's time to leave. This is it. And six weeks later, I was back in Dallas. And what happened is I had a relationship that we got back together. And the idea was to do this spiritual work. And um, I was back two weeks and she threw her back. So I was the caregiver for basically two months between when surgery could happen, rehab after surgery, getting back to functionality was about two months. And um, so I was the, the taking care of person. And while in those idle times, which I'm just in reeling pain, um, you know, doing everything that I could do to help, but can't help the one thing you want to help. um, I started studying astrology and I started looking at the chart from different angles and I ordered a couple of books. And one of the books I got was Noel Till's career book. Noel Till was an astrologer popular in the 70s and 80s. He's gone now, but his books are still available. It's T-Y-L is how you spell the last name. And got this, this career book from Noel Till, and I started looking through it. And I you know, have my chart here and his book here, and I'm lining everything up. And I'm going, dang, this... And I'm looking at the different (laughs) transits and I'm saying, this says that I could make money at this. I could make money doing astrology is what this thing says. So I uh, um, started to lean into that. And so the first thing I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I have to learn a lot more than I know now. So I found a course that's actually not available anymore. That's why I did the 101 course. There you go. And um, and I, I, I learned, I did the deep dive to at least become fluent in it. And then I thought, well, I already had the subconscious mind mastery podcast. And I thought I could start a weekly astrology podcast and at least try to talk about what I now think I know a little bit better, but at least a podcast would help me mercury, mercury it out a little bit. Talk about it. Yeah. And here's the intuitive piece. It's like, no, 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 daily. (laughs) And I've never released subconscious mind mastery on a schedule. And the reason I don't is that they always have come from my heart. Mm -hmm. So I don't do a subconscious mind mastery podcast because it's a day of the week. I do them because it's a message coming out of my heart. And it's always been that way. I love that. But the other one was said, no, 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 daily. And I'm like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. I did pair it back just to Monday through Friday because it was a lot to do seven days. But it started out, I think it started out seven days. And doing the daily, looking up at the sky of what's up there right now today and keeping it short, five, six, seven minutes so that you can start your day with it. Mm-hmm. And then go on, you know, it's like you can listen to it while you're doing other things and getting ready and do, having your coffee or whatever. And doing that every day, then for about six months, it had really caught in and I had a whole different depth. And then came the Steve Forrest books and then it was kind of off to the races from there. So that's, wow. yeah, that's that was the journey. And quite a journey. Yeah. 
I mean, talk about literally, it's almost like looking at a Google map every morning before you go to work to see how bad the traffic's going to be. I was thinking checking the weather. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. We're checking the weather. Exactly. Both examples you've provided with us today. And, and that's what you do. That's one of the things that you massively provide for all of us and cannot tell you how much we appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, It's fun to do. And it's fun to know that with so many people say that, that it's really the first thing they do. It's like, wow, okay, well, when I sit down behind this microphone to do tomorrow's podcast, that always is in the back of my mind is that first word in people's ears. How are we going to set the tone for this day? And that's one of the reasons why, even when there are negative aspects in the chart, we always try to talk about both sides of the coin is because of that very thing, because there are people out there who are going to lock on to the, to the negative side. But there are a lot of people out there that want to know, how can I turn this into a positive? Mm-hmm. How support, can I make today positive? You support people in being the creators of the reality with the energies that are around them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you think, well, this, this friction might push against you a little bit. Well, okay, be ready for it. There's the awareness. And now you can create around that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And are you going to resist that? Or are you open to the possibilities of growth? Yeah. Draw your little line, that little line with that plus, two, you know, the two on either side of zero, that's your little box, put a box right there in the middle of the scale and just say, am I inside the box or am I outside the box? It's, it's uh, creating the orb around zero point frequency. That's what yes. that is right there. It is. <laughs> <laughs> two degree orb. <laughs> Two whole degrees. <laughs> oh, man. But that's exactly right. Am I in the box? Am I out of the box? Okay, I'm out of the box. <clears throat> I'm going to count to 10. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a motorcycle ride. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get myself back inside the box. And I'm going to let this go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be okay without it, you know? Yeah. Thomas, quite the journey. And thank you so much for sharing that journey with us and so many people and not just in the U S but across the world, you do wonderful work. I was wondering if you would share any final wisdoms from your heart to your younger self. Learn astrology. (laughs) (laughs) Walk. Don't run. Don't walk. Well, that would be one. Seriously, I would say every wise parent would teach their kids the map, how to read the map for themselves. That's part of what I'm really excited about doing this new podcast with Robert, because he's like the master map reader. So is Steve. So is Steve. But Robert's going to really blow your socks off. The other thing that I would say is the value of intuition. Mm. That's probably the other piece that we didn't bring into our 100-lane highway story is that you have another friend on your side while you're driving. You've got the map, so you've got your phone up there on your dashboard, and you've got your map up. You know where the highway's heading. You know where we're going broadly. You've got the opportunity at any time to... Um, throw your blinker and you can change lanes or 
And, you know, sadly, we can exit the highway early if we want to. We have that option. It's all there. We have the synchronicities. So, you know, the big red truck is going to come try to cut us off at just the right time. That's built in. That's going to happen. Those things will appear. But the other thing that we have to our advantage is intuition. And that's that little, still, small voice or that little feeling or that um, discomfort in a certain situation. Like, I shouldn't be here. People feel that in relationships, but they're too caught up in it already to know it. And they end up going down the path and it ends up wrong. Whatever. I've had very clear ones when I was uh, told to email Fred Dodson about narrating his audiobooks. That came as a very clear, audible impulse one day when I was getting ready to go on a bicycle ride. Email Fred Dodson about doing his audiobooks. I stopped. I set my water bottles down. I was filling up my water bottles. I'm going to walk out the door, go bike riding. And I delayed that about an hour and a half to put an email together. That changed my life. That was following the impulse. I had a situation in Aspen that came up where I had a certain particular, um, very intuitive prompt. I didn't follow it and it ended up being a disaster. You know, so... We have that gift. So it's the pulse that says change four lanes over to the left. And we go, nah, this one's fine. There's nobody to the left or the right. I like this lane. And we resist it. We don't do it. And it said, no. And, and it, by the way, doesn't hound you. It's usually once. It usually is a whisper. Four lanes to the left. Yeah. Nah, I'm all right here. What's on the radio? <laughs> Boom. Exactly. Up and tailboning somebody. It um I mean that is so so I, I think that's a great question. And I think that would be the other thing is learn how to read the map and 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 our little line mm-hmm. with the box. And then when you get an intuitive if I if I said, okay, the stock market will be open tomorrow morning for the, the big session at um, 9.30 Eastern time. Um, let's trade the market, and I'm going to tell you all the trades to, to make. And we're going to make $10,000 tomorrow in the market. Won't be a problem. Just trust me. I'll show you the way. And we get up to 9.30, and I say, okay, now I want you to buy right here. I'm not going to buy. I'm not going to buy right there. It's too high. It's too low. It's not doing right. Not, it's too early. Whatever. You start arguing with me. And all of a sudden, the market goes up, 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 up. You know? And that's, that's basically the analogy. It's like you've got this friend that's there to help you, tell you what to do when you need it. And we argue with it. It really is crazy. It is. The other it thing really is, is, if I said, okay, look, if we buy right here and in the morning, if we buy at 932, as soon as it opens up, and there's a 90% chance that it's going to go up from here, 90% chance, if you buy that right there, and you go, nah, I'll wait, I'm not going to do it. 90% chance, nine out of 10 times intuition works. 
I think you can measure that with just about anybody. Nine out of 10 times, intuition works favorably. So if you can tune into, and there are a lot of books that have been written about it. Wayne Dyer wrote a very good book yes. about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Fred wrote two books about it. Intuition uh, Training and the Intuitive Awareness Method, two books from Fred, both on audio. Um, and they explain how to follow intuition, how to identify it, how to follow it. So there's a lot of resources out there on it. But um, you've got about a 90% success chance. Now, if I could take you to a casino or to Wall Street. Those are good odds. Yeah. 90% success rate. You wouldn't have to work another day in your life for anybody else. Why don't we do that in our soul path? But we don't because we, Mercury, know better. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, okay. This has been such an incredible conversation. Yes, it has. So enlightening and just wonderful. Uh, we have one more question that Shira is going to ask in just a moment. But before we close out the episode, I just wanted to ask you if you could share where people can find out more information about you and subconscious mind mastery, fun astrology, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Fred Dotson, uh, and all of the audiobooks that you've transcribed. So lay it on us please all right well and thank you guys so much i have so enjoyed i watched okay. some of your episodes before we did this so i kind of knew what you were doing here and it has just been an absolute delight and i've enjoyed every minute of this so thank you for the opportunity mm -hmm. i really condensed everything right now mm -hmm. uh, funastrology.com is where everything is happening and i've um, moved everything to there. So that's where the course is. We've got some other products in there. And then all the audiobooks are on either Audible or iTunes, or which is now Apple Books. They've changed. I am doing a new website. It's going to be thomasmiller.co, but that's in development. So until we get that figured out, it's right now, it's all at Fun Astrology. So Fun Astrology podcast, Subconscious Mind Mastery podcast on all the podcast players. The YouTube channel is all under Fun Astrology. The website is funastrology.com. So perfect. And people can also find you on TikTok now. On I'm doing a few TikToks. Yep. Yeah. I am. I am. Okay. In fact, I've got to do one because I said that I was going to do it in tomorrow's podcast. So I've got to, I've got to go do. Did you guys see this? Uh, we shouldn't talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> the human resonance for May the 7th. That's the Earth's vibration mm -hmm, frequency, mm -hmm, the was, heartbeat, mm -hmm. was higher than it was on 9/11. So I don't yeah. know. Maybe by this time this is released, we might know. But as of today, we don't know. But something, something was really buzzing on May the seventh. It was incredible. Incredible. Wow. Ironically, the most relaxed day I've had in a very long time. So you are on the right side of the yeah. energy. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm following you. No, but thank you guys so much. This has been so much fun. And you are both absolutely delightful. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Thomas. Well, you know, part of the reason Carrie and I started what we're doing is because we want to help others come around to the same realization that we've come around to, which is that it starts within, which mm. is why our 
podcast is called Love Always Self. You're signing that love letter to yourself. You're acknowledging the things that you build and you uh, grow and, you know, maybe knock down some of the belief systems that you've had before so you can rebuild something completely new. Just remember that you're part of the full I am. Mm-hmm. And just to remember that you are the creator of everything and all that is that is around you. So with that being said, we like to ask our guest a final question. What does self-love mean to you? Tell you what, I didn't know it until just recently, to be quite honest with you, which is really sad that you live six decades and you don't find that. But to me, it's become the acceptance of who I am, how I came here. All of that became crystal clear to me through that chart. I got to say, I didn't understand it. That gave me the visual representation. And then all of the embellishment and all of the depth and everything that we have been talking about here, that I stepped into that path and that plan originally blind, wandered in the desert, the stories in the Bible about people wandering in the desert. Mm -hmm. I wandered for a long time in the desert and then finally saw that plan and how I had interacted with it. And at that point, I was able to forgive myself. Mm. Where before I had judged and found guilty. When you judge yourself and you find yourself guilty, you're living in hell. That's living in hell. You don't go to hell. You're in hell. And what that release allowed me to see was that the failures also made sense. Yes. The hurts, the scars, the wounds, the failures, how I hurt others. And the karma that that created, that I'm doing my best to clean up before I get out of here. And the path ahead, living consciously. So the self-love is you can turn it around. And I'm as big of an example of that as there is because I was nobody. I mean, yeah, I've got these podcasts and all that. I'm still nobody but I'm doing all this stuff now, but it's coming from a completely different motivation and understanding. And now it's to truly give back and to truly help and to share what I did wrong so that maybe you can do it right. Maybe you'll hear something in the story that will make a difference in some decision, some intersection, some lane change that you can do it right. And that to me is also self-love is, turning it around to give it back. So I think we all hurt at different times. It's rare that you find the person that comes in that just, you know, has kind of had a lollipop the whole way through. (laughs) They're out there, but it's rare. And we've all been through our failures. We've all wanted our take twos that we don't get. We've all messed up. We've all hurt somebody else. When we hurt our kids, it really stings. 
that's a hard one to get over. But at the end of the day, when we realize that it all is a giant tapestry, and when we get on the right side of that play, I can't tell you how amazing it is. And that's what I want for everybody. Yes. So the self-love is the forgiveness, the turning it around, the wanting something better, and then saying, not how I would chosen have chosen to do it, but it got me where I am. And this is where I'm going from here. And you just live that out. This will be my favorite episode to go back and listen to repeatedly when we go to do our show notes and edit. So thank you <laughs> so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Thomas, really appreciate this and you and everything that you, you do and continue to do. So thank you. And, uh, audience members, Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing in this incredible conversation. Uh, please let us know if you have any other questions and, you know, don't forget to like subscribe and hit the notification bell, but button. bells, buttons, whistles, whatever you yeah. want to call them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we will leave you now and don't forget lovely listeners to love first, love last and love always. Thank you Bye. all. listener. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us in this moment. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we look forward to our next connection. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow to stay notified of new content from Love Always Self. If you have any questions or topics you'd like for us to discuss, please hit us up on any of our social media platforms linked in the show notes below. I'm Karista. And I'm Shira. And until next time, remember to love first, love last, and love always. Love Always Self podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. We do not make any warranties about the completeness, reliability, and accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. Any action you choose to take upon the information in this podcast is strictly done so at your own risk, and we will not be held liable for any losses and damages in connection with the use of our podcast. Any and all medical concerns should be addressed with a licensed healthcare provider, as well as any questions that may be derived from the information discussed in this podcast.